Podcast, presented by Bruins Life. Final 10 seconds, Marshawn to Bergeron, he scores! By Trudy's To the back, it comes now for Nordstrom. Pushed it across Grizzly. Fires! And that one went out in front. Rebound score! It's Corelli out of a net mouse scramble. Lots of time out high. Two players go to one. Here comes a shot from the point. It's hits Wagner, and then the rebound right to Corelli. On Grizzly, turnaround shot from Borowiecki hits the pile. Pasternak two on one with Marshawn against DeMello. Marshawn curling, drag, Pasternak scores in your face. Riley. Krejci takes it away. Krejci to Coyle. And the Leafs are mulch is, but I just feel like that's Jesse's job, and unfortunately, we're missing him tonight, and so I didn't want to steal his thunder. But welcome back, everyone, uh, to another episode of the Spoked Bee podcast presented by Bruins Life. Um, my name is Zach Weiner, joined uh, by Lauren Campbell and our producer behind the scenes, Sam Tracy. Lauren, how's it going? Long time no speak. It's going. Uh, can't really complain with what's going on with the Bruins. And, you know, happy Bruins, happy Lauren. So. I definitely hear that. They look great. Everything looks great. Uh, it's been a little while since we um, since we recorded. Um, had a couple illnesses on the show, um, some personal absences. So we definitely have some to catch up on. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, we're missing Jesse uh, this time around, but we'll have him back um, next time. So I mean, where we stand right now, Lauren, is uh, uh, Bruins are in first place. They look great. Even when they're losing, they're losing in shootouts, which we are going to get to. Um, they're not going to win every single game, but they've, they've been the secondary scoring has come along. They've been getting scoring from the defense. Um, the goaltending has looked great. Uh, I, I'm the guy who I, I show up to every episode with uh, reasons to complain. I don't know how to complain. So, I mean, I, I feel great right now. They're, they're first place. Um, in, in the Atlantic with um, 31 points. The only team with more points is, is Washington, which uh, you know was a one-goal game um, Saturday night. So they're stacking up with the rest of them. Um, the Islanders also have 31 points, but they're just like red hot right now, 9-0-1 in their last 10. So you, know, you have to expect that's going to falter a little bit as time goes on. Um, not much to be upset about these days. No, I mean, the team looks great as a whole, even with injuries. Uh, secondary scoring is coming coming up big in a lot of games. Top line obviously still looks really great. And it's nice to see how, yes, they did kind of hit that slump through four games, but they've kind of picked it back up, and it's still like, kind of like, when is this team going to cool down? I, they're just, They still are playing hungry, and they're still playing like every game is, the Stanley Cup is on the line, and that's what you love to see, especially so early in the season. Yes, I mean, I'm with you. So they had a tough loss um, in Montreal, but, you know, obviously a great effort, not an easy place to play. Um, probably the most frustrating of them all was losing 4-2 to Detroit. Um, it's just not a good team right now. They're in a little bit of shambles. Um, they're all the way in last place in, in the Atlantics. So that one kind of stunk a little bit. 
Um, oh, fair, Zach. Uh, you know, Detroit's had our number as of recent, so I mean, that's I mean, true. A scheduled loss, if you could even call it that. Yep, and then they went on a string of um, two straight shootout losses, three out of four, um, to to be exact. And it was, yeah, like you said, it was a little bit of a frustrating patch. What was nice is they got a nice little 4-2 win on the road against Toronto. I felt like they played well against Washington Saturday night with that, even with the shootout loss. And I have so much to say about the shootouts. We'll get to that in a little bit. But then, you know, they come out um, a couple nights ago, um, in New Jersey and just lay a smack down on the Devils. Um, specifically, Matt Grizzly just playing like an absolute savage, putting uh, P.K. Subban in a blender, a couple of snipes from him. Clifton got on the board as well. So they're getting scoring from everywhere. Um, they're still getting good goaltending. Um, you know, it looked great in the second period against Florida and then just gave it away in the third period. My mindset coming out of that game, Lauren, was, you know, better in November than in, you know, March um, and to, you know, things like that happen throughout a season. They're also going to have some some fun uh, comeback wins as well. So, and it shows you how good of an October they had that they could lose four out of five um, and still remain in first place and now uh, take it to Buffalo, who they'll be playing tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's funny because I was talking last night and how I was saying something about the Celtics. Like, I mean, obviously they're on a roll, and it's good to win all the games kind of at the beginning because if you do go in a slump you're still going to somehow stay ahead of the second place, third place teams and second place and third place teams in the Atlantic division are close right now in points. And the, the more points the Bruins can get, whether that's overtime or those, those coveted two points, you want those early and often because come January, February, March, they start losing I know another game to the devils or something like that, a team like that or the Red Wings. Like when you lose to bad teams, it kind of makes it, not as bad if you still have a, a good point cushion. So to get these wins now or these points sure. now, it's pretty crucial. Yeah, I mean, and I always say that everything that's going on right now is kind of just a precursor to what happens at the trade deadline. Um, there are still moves that need to be made, um, whether it be in the third line and maybe the second line. Um, Charlie Coyle's gotten a little bit of playing time on that second line with Krejci and DeBrusque, which has been nice to see. Um, Bergeron went down for a couple games. Krejci moved up to the first line, and that first line continued to look fantastic. Um, and then, I mean, Pasternak just won't stop scoring. He will not stop scoring. It's And they find new ways to do it. Um, you could put Marsh on, on a line with anyone, and he'll just make them a better player. Um, we're talking superstar status uh, over there. So um, Halak and Rask continue to be putting up a brick wall. I really, I, I want to complain. I want to have conversations about so we can complain and talk about what they need in February. But they, they, they are clicking on all cylinders right now. And it was really that the New Jersey game that got me really pumped up. It's the most recent game, obviously. So it's a little bit of what have you done for me lately kind of mindset from coming from me. But um they just showed up on the road. They they were angry and they beat the living shit out of the uh, Devils team that sh- they should be beating. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right. The Devils are god awful this year. Um, you know, even though they were crowned champions of the off season, with you know picking up PK Subban and Jack Hughes over the off season, Wayne Simmons as well, and they just they've been really disappointing, uh, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. That's what happens. The champions of the off season usually don't do don't do much in, in right. season. That's for sure. 
Um, we know that from the Patriots. The Patriots lose every single offseason and win every single season. So, um, you know, looking ahead, uh, you know, they have a couple home games coming up uh, with Buffalo um, and uh, Minnesota, I believe, uh, coming up as well um, over the weekend. Um, and then uh, a little bit of a road trip before um, the, the big Black Friday game. I try to go to the Black Friday game every year. Um, it's always so much fun. Perfect. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday on the planet. Um, and uh, so I'm hoping to go again this year. I don't have tickets yet, but um, hoping, you know, they're, they're like 150 bucks right now. So I'm hoping uh, prices will, will lower uh, a, a little bit. You've had a chance to, to go to a couple games and cover, correct, Lauren? Yeah, I've been to uh, the Toronto when, when Toronto first came here. And um, I don't think I've been back since. I have a couple games uh, next month. Um, I think Nashville, the LA. But you've got the Celtics too. You got the Celtics. Yep, I went to Celtics. Went to IT's homecoming, so I got to cover that. <laughs> I just, I just live like I just live vicariously through you. I, I go on Twitter and I'm just like, oh my god, um, you know, all the pictures, me, covering the coaches, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. I um, I'm going to be traveling for work in December to see. Seattle just a little early before they get their hockey team. I can't believe it. Um, and I'm arriving just before, just after kickoff for the Seahawks. So I'm missing any sports that are going on there. Obviously no Sonics yet. Um, I think the Sonics are coming back though. So we will see there. Um, while we were taking a little break from um, recording the show, um, a, a very senior milestone happened on the team I think we need to uh, give a little bit of our attention to and that is uh, Zidane Ochara getting his 1500th game um, big Z unbelievable leader so I don't know if you know this Lauren but for for ye- the first few years of this podcast um, we used to always talk about there are, always, there are always these rumors that go around about how like Bergeron is the leader of the locker room and you know he'd be the captain once you know that's obvious that he'll be the captain once chara um you know once chara retires but you know um even now with chara still there bergeron kind of still is like the captain of the team i always you always see that or hear that there are rumblings of it on twitter maybe some blogs and i i, I don't discount that i my big turnaround happened this postseason where Chara's leadership was so clear, not just with the breaking of the jaw, but even before that, um, and just how you, they, very how animated he was on the bench. Um, a big thing for me now is his relationship with McAvoy. It's very clear that McAvoy is obsessed with with Chara. He loves playing on a line with him. Chara's rookie season, McAvoy wasn't even wasn't even born yet, which is an unbelievable stat. Um, and my heart melts every time that I see that video of the day that McAvoy finally signed his extension, which, by the way, was a team-friendly deal both in money and in years. Um, I love that the first thing they show is McAvoy heading out to the ice and Chara gives him a big hug and they walk out together. Um, he, I, I feel that the last few years I personally have been discounting him as captain in favor of Bergeron and Bergeron, uh, you know, his leadership is not to be discounted, but Chara is 
is the lifeblood of this team. Um, he's a captain for a, a reason. We're very lucky in Boston to have two athletes playing at 42 and playing at a very high level. Tom Brady himself has said that what Chara does is more difficult, um, just the toll it takes on the body and how often they play. Um, and he's, he's, you know, he's not just out there like a, you know, like a lifeless body. He's, he's still playing extremely well this season. It's been awesome to see and 1500 is a huge milestone. Oh yeah. I mean, and you look at his size and he, I mean, yes, he's slowed down a little bit, but that's obviously going to come with age, but he's still, he's not afraid to lay out a hit. He's not afraid to just kind of put, put it all on the line for, for the game and for his team. We've seen that so many times over the course of his career and to see it continue after such a disappointing how last season ended, just to kind of see it continue. And even he's hungry, I'm sure, obviously, it's no secret we're closer to the end of his career than we are at the beginning. And sure. just to see him kind of just thrive in the captain's role. And there's no better person, like you said, that his leadership with just McAvoy. And, you know, there's a reason he wears that C on his jersey. And it's it's not because he's played 1,500 games. It's it's because he's, you know, you can say he's like dad to these, to to the players. There's there's so much younger than him, but you know he takes it seriously and he wants someone like McAvoy or he he just wants his team to to do so much better. And he he obviously sees a lot of potential in McAvoy. I think we all do. And McAvoy can be that you know franchise defenseman. How Chara's kind of become that, and he can do that under the leadership of Chara. I, I agree. The other thing I'll say is I, I love whenever there's a mic'd up moment on the ice, whether um, it's him or another player. And you always like you you hear first of all how he steps up for his teammates. And th- th- there are so many examples on YouTube of like a guy takes a run at like McAvoy or another player, and um, and uh, like Charles will skate up to him, and the guy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I want nothing to do with you, you know? Um, and, and, and then, like, there was one time, this is going way back, um, when um, I think the Leafs were going to play, I want to say when they were going to play the Red Wings um, in the Winter Classic, so the, they both had, they had a 24-7 series on HBO. And um, so in one of the episodes, Toronto was playing... Um, you know, was was playing the Bruins, and someone takes a run at a Bruins player, and Char like takes him up against the boards, and the guy's like, the guy's like, oh no 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 no, and Char just goes, listen, I gotta step up, I gotta stand up for my guy, I'm just doing my job, you know, <laughs> like he like even like carries himself with like class, he never like shit talks anybody, um, and then he's still he's still got that rifle for a shot, he scored a few goals, um, this year already, um. I remember a few years ago, he was like a needed presence on the power play. The Bruins power play has been so good that um, he hasn't been needed as much. He's still there on the on the penalty kill. Um, but that because of that, they've been able to cut down on his minutes a little bit, which I think is very important for getting him to April, which is, you know, the most important, uh, the, the most important part. So um, Congratulations to him. It's awesome. I'm so happy. He's he's a Bruin. I will say one thing to you, Lauren. So um, while the Bruins are making their cup run last year, there was a question raised of if the Bruins win the cup, would Chara then retire? And he squashed it and said, nope, I'm definitely coming back. So now, the, you know, he, he he's on these one-year deals. If he continues to play the way he's playing right now, Sweeney's going to have no choice but to give him another one-year deal. Um, and the question will be, if they win the cup, would he would he still retire? And I think that's something, um, you know, to, to keep an eye on. But, um, 
you know, you I just think the big thing is like you said earlier, I said it earlier, the team is playing angry right now. Um, they clearly have unfinished business from June. Um, and it's, it's been just really, really great to see. Um, on the complaint side, so we have two things to complain about. One is, uh, what's up with all the Bruins' goals being overturned? Yeah, you see that. I don't know if it's been six, five or six. Um, it's it's a big amount. And I didn't see, like, I wasn't watching the game against the Avalanche where they had the two overturned. Um, yeah. But the other games, the Charlie Coyle goal, it's just. That's the big one. That's, that was that, that the is Montreal a, that, game. That was a game changer. And uh, Cassidy yeah. said after the game, he's just like, you know, the refs are there looking at it for four minutes. Now you're just looking for something that was the to quote, overturn it. That was the quote of the night, quote of the week, maybe quote of the month. It was two things. First of all, there needs to be a rule in place that, like, if you can't get rid of the puck for 20 seconds, then it, it's it's everything's negated. Like, the, Bru- the Bruins didn't bring it over the line and score. Score. They held possession for like 20 to 25 seconds and then got the goal. And then, like, like you said, they they were literally they were studying it for three minutes, four minutes even. And like they're they're just they're looking for it, looking for it. At a certain point, you have to say there's a reason why they have they've given specific language to the refs of the call on the ice stands versus the call on the ice is confirmed, right? The call on the ice is confirmed means we have overwhelming proof that we know what we're what we're doing. And then you need to have overwhelming proof to overturn a call. So in, a, in, a, in an instance where it's three to four minutes, you just got to say, call me, I stand. It's ridiculous. Yep, I, I 100% agree. You know, they they always, you know, harp on it needs to be, you need to have enough evidence to overturn it. Okay, if you do, you're going to see that right away. Maybe a minute, Agreed. okay, maybe a minute and a half at most, but you're going to see it right away. And it's going to be like, oh yeah, it's going to be egregious. It's going to be like, yes, I see that. We messed up. Here we go. Or like, oh nope, nope, we're right. Our call stands. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. Like, why we have replay and system? It's 2019. We have this re- replay system that's supposed to work, and it's going against the Bruins more than it's in favor of them. And like, this is not why we have this. Yeah, and then the other thing I just want to talk about is we've actually never discussed with you your feelings on shootouts. So I'd like to get get your feelings on them. Uh, Jesse, before the episode, um, wanted to give two messages. Um, out there on, on his behalf. So I'd like to get the first one there in, in his honor. We miss him. And the first one is that fuck shootout. And that's exactly how I feel. I would rather a tie or I just, shootouts are, they suck. And, and by the way, I want to say that I've been consistent about this over the years. I don't think, like, I would not I would not be happy with shootouts if the Bruins were winning them. I'm upset that a, a game goes to a shootout before it gets there. Um, and I'm just sick and tired of them. I, I don't think – I think they're good for the game in that they're exciting. They're bad for the game in that I'm a hockey purist and I think they're terrible and I've, I have no problem with ties. What are your – we need to get the Lauren Campbell official stance on shootouts. Go ahead. So I used to love them as a kid growing up. I loved shootouts. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. Loved playing NHL, going into a shootout. Yes, NHL 99, baby, NHL 99. Yes, and as an adult, I couldn't feel more like Jesse on this because it's the only sport that goes into something like this. You know, basketball just goes into overtimes until there's a winner. Baseball, you can play for three straight days until there's a winner. And then football, it, it ends in a tie if there's not 
a winner after the end of overtime. So either they need to just do like 20 minute overtimes or like several five minute overtimes until there's a winner or like after two overtimes, just call it a tie. I know ties are like not cool or whatever, but at some point it's like, why is this shootout something that's in my mind, like outdated at this point? Why is this being decided who gets that second point? I also just like, you know, I thought they were going to do what the AHL trialed, which I thought was an awesome idea. They did um, four minutes of four on four and then three minutes uh, and, and then four minutes of three on three. I think that's great. And then you call it a tie if, if nothing happens, you know, it, they're, listen, they're never going to get rid of the shootout because they it, it's they love it. It's you know, if you're a casual fan who's not a big hockey fan, then you love the shootout. And that's what that's who they're trying to get. The hockey purists like us are going to watch no matter what. and We'll complain about it. And that's it. Um, it's just so frustrating. And then, you know, there are times where, you know, the, I, I, I love Cassidy. I, I, I think, I think Claude, um, had lost the room a little bit and it was time for a coaching change after all he had, had accomplished. But that being said, Claude, he, he lost his job mid season, but part of what went into him losing his job was missing the playoffs a couple of years in a row. And, um, w- at least one of those two seasons, they missed the playoffs by, a point or like a tiebreaker and you take into account all of their shootout losses though there your points right there you know so that's just it's just so frustrating to me and and it's and i think of those things now you know we talk about how it's early in the season um and and that's how i feel whenever you know like bergeron gets gets injured he missed a couple games and uh i'm just like good Sit him out, sit him out, sit him out. No problem, no problem. It's November. Do not rush him back. Please don't rush him back. We're in first place. No need to rush, you know? So, but at the same time, you know, every point does count when you get to March, April time, you know? it's There's a huge difference between Game 7 being in Toronto and Game 7 being at home. So, I, I think about that when you lose these shootouts. It, it, it's it's so frustrating. Um, and... I hate shootouts so much that I don't want to break them. I don't want to break them down. So we're we're not going to do that. This is a this has become a dictatorship, Lauren. So I'm I'm uh, I'm flexing my power right now. But I will say that uh, Chris Wagner needs to stop taking shootout attempts. <laughs> That's all I'm oh, going to yeah. say. <laughs> yep, I'm I'm all on board. Yeah. You got you got Bjork on the bench. You got literally anybody else on the bench. Yeah. And you go with Chris Wagner. Exactly. I'm with you. So I also just want to share with you uh, a quick, uh, funny story. I got a buddy of mine who's a Rangers fan. And uh, so Panarin scores like it. Yeah. Listen, I live in New York. What do you want? I got got a few of them. (laughs) So um, he he Panarin scored like his 10th or 11th goal. And and he's like, oh, yo, Panarin's having a great season. And I just sent him a snapshot of the Bruins first line stats which are disgusting i i i there it is insane here and here they are i'm gonna read them out loud to you brad marchand um 13 goals 22 assists 35 points in 21 games posternak 19 goals 15 assists 34 points in 21 games and then bergeron's at eight goals 11 assists for 19 points in 19 games um I'll also just mention Marshawn's a plus 14. Pasta and Bergeron are a plus 7. It's just crazy. And by the way, for all the flack we give Krejci and, and for all the complaining we do that um, Krejci, you know, can't really um, 
you know, produce without, you know, uh, another, you know, second line winger to help him in the brusque out. Um, Krejci is a plus 13 on the, on the season. So everyone's looking good. Zdeno Chara, by the way, Mr. 42 years old, he's a plus 13 on the season. Um, it's, it's special what, what this team is doing. Um, before I get my dancing shoes out, um, I know it's a little bit of a short episode this week. Uh, before I get my dancing shoes out, um, we should talk a little bit about our secondary scoring. Um, I just want to know, Lauren, if anyone is standing out to you at all, you know, Bjork kind of picked up his game a little bit. That's been nice to see. Um, I, you know, I'm not ready to do, um, a 180 on Seneshin yet. Um, and he's been hurt, which is unfortunate for him, but Seneshin was playing well in the time that he was given. Um, Brett Ritchie's been a, a nice welcome addition. You know, Nordstrom and Lindholm have been, have been playing well. Um, it might be time to, to, you know, put the kibosh on back. Yes. I don't know your feelings on that, but anything from the bottom two lines are sticking out to you this season. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not just saying this because I have been a huge Bjork fan for a while, but he really is catching my eye. You know, he's taking shots. He's not afraid to crash the net and no, he's not putting pucks on net, but you know, he's he's creating opportunities and he's catching up like his speed's catching up to him. He's he's just he looks like an NHL player and Cassidy has been really high on him for the past couple games. There was one game last week where he was kind of hard on him, Lindholm, and um, somebody else I can't remember. But he's just like you know, there's going to be mistakes and tonight they yep. just look like NHL players. And then you know he said I really like that. Bjork just kind of takes that and then he corrects his mistakes and he's quick to correct his mistakes. You know, Cassidy benches him for a shift. He's like, okay, what do I need to do? And I'm going to do it. And he does it. And that's just, you know, that's obviously the mind of a hockey player, but you like to see that because, you know, of course there's a lot of pressure on him. People are going to like, Oh, he's going to be a bust. He's going to, he's going to be worthless. We're just going to trade him anyway. And he's really contributed to this team. You know, he's taking three, four, five shots on goal every night. Like I said, he's creating those opportunities and, He's really just kind of found his legs and he's got a lot more confidence than I've seen. And obviously that comes with playing more and more in the NHL, but it kind of seems like he's really not afraid to, to try and win those puck battles. And it's kind of like, you know, screw my shoulder because if it's a hundred percent, I'm just going to play like it's a hundred percent. And that's exactly what he's been doing. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm, I'm looking for an excuse to put Bjork on my, you know, do not trade list. I'm not there quite yet, but I want that, you know, because that he is playing very, very well. Um, and it, he, he's been nice. And you talked about what Cassidy, Cassidy very clearly has control of the room. He's, he's, he's been very good with the young guys, obviously did a phenomenal job down in Providence when he was the head coach there. Um, one thing that I loved, excuse me, one thing, that I loved he said recently after um it wasn't even after a game it was like after a morning skate or something he someone asked about um McAvoy like quote-unquote not playing well this year and uh Bruce Cassidy said said no I, I I think McAvoy's played well I don't think he's played to his ceiling but he's been playing well I think that's that you know it's like a vote of confidence and I, I think that got Charlie going a little bit and he has been looking a lot better. Yeah, I, mean, I just think as a whole, the, I don't we don't even need to go into individual players. Like as a whole, the defense has been unbelievable, and we you know the the goaltending's been been well documented by us already this season. 
But you talk about Grizzlick and Connor Clifton, who have clearly improved from last year. Um, Krug's missed a little bit of time, but he's been great when out there. Chara, obviously, McAvoy and Carlo. And that's while you have Kevin Miller and John Moore, you know, rehabbing in the wings. So I have a feeling Kevin Miller could be on the trading block. I hope not because it, it, we were badly missing his his toughness, you know, um, in the in the St. Louis series. But to know that you have Moore and uh, and Miller kind of rehabbing in the background, plus you have Vakaninen who's who looks like he's been ready to go each time he's gotten a, a call up, um, along with the usual six that are out there. Um, it makes me feel real confident that we can focus on getting another scorer in here come January, February, and then just get locked and loaded for the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. And I absolutely cannot wait until Kevin Miller comes back. I have been a big fan of Kevin Miller's, really since he's been here, I'm not going to say like entire career, but the last like two years in particular, I've really kind of really liked this game. And obviously last year was incredibly unfortunate. Just breaking his kneecap twice and, different directions. Yeah, so couldn't catch a break. To see how he's kind of progressed and how he's ready. And he's, you know, every week it's, it's no, not this week, not this week. And I was like, ah, oh, God damn it. Like, I just, I just want to see him on the ice. I want to see how he meshes with, you know, whoever he gets paired with when he comes back. And it, Cassidy has a lot of decisions to make when, when Miller comes back. I think we're not really thinking John Moore right now. But more so, Kevin Miller. Like, who, who's the odd man out? Because the defense has been so exactly. strong. Obviously, it's obviously it's not McAvoy, Chara, Grizzlick. You know, take those three out right away. But you, there's not a lot of options there. And then you got to think Tory Krug's going to come back at some point too. Of yep. course. So now what? I try to think of it. I try to think of it as righty, righty, lefty, lefty. So I, I, I think when Miller comes back, he's going to be in a battle with Clifton for a spot because Miller remains a, th- a third D pairing type guy. Um, so it's going to come down to if Cassidy, uh, like my feeling is like you always see when Cassidy's tinkering with the lineup, he either goes for toughness or for speed. So if you're going for a speed lineup, Miller's going to be in a, wearing a suit up in the rafters and guys like Clifton, maybe back in nine and will be out there. Um, but if Cassidy feels like they're getting pushed around a little bit, then Clifton's going to have to take a seat. Um, and it's going to be Miller who gets out there, you know, put, putting bodies and lockers, you know? So, um, that's, that's how I feel about that. My history with Kevin Miller is I, I, I couldn't stand him for a couple of years. And I did, I did that 180. I did a complete 180 on him. Um, uh, became a huge fan two years ago in the season we got knocked out by Tampa. Um, I thought that was kind of his coming out year. I thought he was great last year when he played, which was not very often. Um, the team was just playing so well, excuse me, in the playoffs um, up until the St. Louis series. And I, I just felt like St. Louis, uh, I felt and I still feel that St. Louis did to Boston the same thing that Boston did to Vancouver in 2011, which is on paper, the Bruins were a better team than St. Louis, but St. Louis was able to push them around a little bit, just like Vancouver on paper was better than the Bruins. The Bruins kind of bullied them into winning that, that series in seven. And I feel like if Kevin Miller was there, um, you could have minimized the bullying a little bit, maybe gotten a little bit more out of that series. And we were really just one or two shots away from lifting the cup ourselves. So um, I, I'm with you. I, I'm now a big, I'm now a big uh, Miller fan. Um, really the only guy I'd like to see more from, I think he's been getting better the last couple games, Lauren, um, is DeBrusque. Um, 16 games played, three goals, three assists. He is a plus two, but 
Um, I think we need a little, a little bit more out of him. Um, just the expectations are too high. Now, what I'll say about him is he also was slow to start last year, ended the season, you, you know, with over 20 goals. So I'm not giving up on him. I'm not even close to that. Um, so just got to get him going a little bit. And, you know, it, it might have to do with, with line matches and just get him a right, a right partner along with him and, uh, and Krejci. But I'd like to see a little, little bit more out of him. Yeah, I, I would too. I think obviously, you know, he's in a contract year and him starting yeah. off kind of slow after he was phenomenal last year. I think it'll come. I think, um, you know, the second line, it's kind of been in question. It's kind of been like, a, not a seesaw, but like a revolving door. And as much as that affects Krejci, it's going to affect DeBrusque too, because there's still that, who am I playing with tonight? Is it going to be so-and-so or is it going to be this so-and-so? So I think, I think it'll come. I know now we're, you know, a month plus into the season and it's kind of, we know who's good, who's kind of like whatever, but I still think Jake DeBrust has more to give. And I think that absolutely will, will come. And I think it's coming soon. I just think, you know, the, the Bruins are heating up again. They're playing good hockey and DeBrust wants to be a part of that. You know, absolutely. Last, last season, it was all, they're a one line team. They're a one line team. They're, they're, they're such a close room. Yeah, yep, they're such definitely. a close room, um, and I, I think they all. And that's why you know McAvoy and Carlo took the deals that they took. They could have gotten much more elsewhere and longer deals, but they took it because they want to remain in, in the organization long term. That this that was the way to do it, and I, I love that they did that. Um, before we get to the main event, you know, this is kind of like a boxing match. Like the the last topic is the main event. You know, before we get to that, um, I'd like to give uh, a shout out to. Uh, David Pasternak's fashion. Hell yeah! Oh my God, does that 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 guy have it go in each game? Unbelievable. Did you see uh, the suit tonight? So I was literally just just like perusing through Twitter. He's wearing that red suit tonight with the hat. Yep. He looks great. Um, so you know, Marina Molnar from uh, from um, from Barstool. It, it, she does great coverage of the Bruins as well, and she. She always posts everything he's wearing. She's like, my God, my God. Oh, she's um, awesome. She's great. So let's get into it. They're going to fire Babcock and nothing is going to change. And they're just going to look even more stupid. And we're all going to revolt and stop watching, which we all know is not going to happen. We are going to continue watching continue supporting, continue suffering, because we are Leafs fans. It's what we do best. And the Leafs are mulch again! They suck, guys. The Leafs suck. You know, it, 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 see, this is, this is the tough one for me, Lauren. It's tough, but it's not tough. It's tough because the lion should not, you know, concern himself with the matters of the sheep. But on the other hand, I mean, I'm, I, I can't get enough of this. I just can't. I'm ready. I'm so ready. It's, here's the thing. So, so, so when I was growing up, like, I hated the Montreal Canadiens more than I hated the New York Yankees. Like, I hated Montreal. But since 2013 and that whole debacle of a, of a choke job by Toronto, like, Leafs fans have become so obsessed with the Bruins and every, like, they wake up 
And the second thing they think about is the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the first thing they think about is the Bruins. And they they can't, they can't stand Marshan. They can't stand that we got Rask from them. In the, in the Raycroft trade, they 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 just they they're overcome. They thought they had us the year before when they came back from three one down and only and they were up four, four three going into the third period. I was at that game, um, and only just get their their hearts shattered with a four goal third period. They thought they had us last year up three two with the series uh, in uh, game six in Toronto, um, and then they just totally dominated in game seven. I've tried to tell these Leafs fans over and over again that Anderson is not elite. He's not the answer to their prayers. Um, and and he keeps proving it game seven after game seven. Um, they thought they thought Mike Babcock was like their Bill Belichick. Adding him was going to get them their Stanley Cup. And Mike Babcock leaves after, I want to say, three and a half seasons. Yep. Or three plus seasons. Three plus. With zero playoff series wins. That's all you need to know. Um, the Leafs are in total disarray right now. Um, what I will say is, you know, the move comes at a good time for them because they're, they're you know, they're not they're not in the last place. Uh, not only are they not in the last place, but you know, they're just uh, they're two points out of a wild card spot. So they can try to turn things around. Plenty of season left for sure. But, I mean, Babcock completely lost the room. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's glorious. Um, now all we need is for Montreal to go back to sucking. And uh, everything will be amazing. But uh, the, the, the big news of this week, um, and, uh, you know, and the, the, the last thing I'll mention before I let you go, Lauren, I'm, I'm just so happy I can't stop talking about it, um, is... Our second message from our fearless leader, Jesse Gantz, um, is that the Leafs released Mike Babcock, which makes me wonder, is this going to rival the Astros releasing J.D. Martinez? Um, because yeah, it's I, a big uh, one. It depends on uh, if Babcock decides to uh, pull a Gerard Gallant and uh, leave Go to Seattle. Glory. Yeah. I think so. The rumors are Seattle. The other rumors um, taken over in Calgary. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, but uh, per per Jesse Gantz, the Leafs released Mike Babcock. Your thoughts, Lauren Campbell? Um, I kind of I was shocked. Um, I had a feeling it's going to happen, but so soon in the season, I was like, oh wow, like that was that was fast. But at the same time, it's if not now, when? Um, the Leafs, they're not. Yes. They need defense. He lost defense. the room. He clearly oh, lost yeah. the room. And it's it's certainly disappointing because you know Mike Babcock. He, everyone knows who he is, and he only had one Stanley Cup, I believe, with the Red Wings. If I, if memory serves me correct, which might that's a big if, but it, the Leafs, you know, they have a lot of offensive weapons, even without, you know, um, John Tavares there. So. Right. You have you still have these offensive weapons. You didn't really do a whole lot to bolster your defense, which is really what you needed help with. And you can only blame like the playoff format so much for three first round exits because you're still putting up a hundred plus points in those seasons. You're still a complete team, not a complete team, but you're still a, a dominant team throughout the Atlantic Division. And nine, ten, and four is just not a Leafs record through twenty four games, whatever it is, twenty five games, and. It's also kind of concerning for the Leafs because 
this is the uh, third time since the 2011-2012 season that they've switched to head coach in, in the midseason. So right. like, what's going on in Toronto that they either can't get control of these players or the players are just not responding? It's kind of, If they're not going to respond to Mike Babcock, and I get it. It's like a Claude Julian where you, that your style of hockey isn't how they play anymore. You need to adapt to how the game is now. But it's just – it's concerning. And I think Babcock's going to go to Calgary and he's going to lead them to the playoffs. I mean, and that, that that'll absolutely be that that'll be something. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, that uh, we'll we'll wrap it up for a shorter episode. We'll have Jesse back next week. Um, what we are going to do um, in our next episode um, is, um, even though this is a hockey podcast, and even though this is a um, a Bruins podcast, I think it's only fair that we. Just like I got my moment with Toronto, I think it's only fair that we give Jesse his moment with what's going on uh, over in Houston. <laughs> oh, absolutely. After, absolutely. after all his wars that he's gone at with Astro Rants, I think he's allowed uh, his, his time to shine. You know, um, uh, yeah. speaking of that, um, I don't know if you uh, if you guys remember, but uh, Astro's rant still, he's gone. He's deleted his account. Yeah. Right after the Nationals won the World Series. Which goes to show he's a fraud. He's a, a total, total fraud. Jesse uh, uh, currently undefeated. Yeah, Jesse, listen, I, I got to say, I, I always tell him that I admire his stamina on the trolling. And uh, listen, Astro Rants basically created his account when they won the World Series in 2017. Um, he thought he, his big thing was hating, hating the Red Sox. Um, and then... He, uh, the Red Sox eliminated them in five last year. Um, then, and they won the World Series. Then the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Um, and it's it just been downhill for him. Now, um, they're in deep shit with all the cheating. Um, and now his account's gone, like the fraud he is. And, um, I'm gonna let Jesse take the rest of it next episode. So, just you know, again, be sure to give us a follow at the Spoked B Pod, the Spoked B Pod. Um, and for Lauren Campbell, producer Sam Tracy. Um, it's been a great season so far. Um, feel very confident about this team going into April again and, uh, you know, overcoming, uh, some, some demons from this past year. So, uh, thanks again, um, everyone. And I'll speak soon.